0: We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets.
1: But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the
0: Everyday Driver Car Debate. We're in Los Angeles, and I've decided I like Los Angeles. I, mean, I did. We lived well, here, and I enjoyed okay. it. Okay, what leads but, you to this what's, newly formed what's conclusion? Weird, what's weird is I feel like, for reasons I'm not entirely clear on, we get recognized more in L.A.
1: Yeah, I've been noticing that, too. We actually Granted, got recognized in a couple of different situations. Maybe.
0: Maybe it's because, like, today you and I were walking around after our shoot wearing the uniform, the red and the blue, and walking together, which makes mm-hmm. it pretty easy. Mm-hmm. But it's been funny. We, we were at our, uh, our meetup we had, local meetup we had here, which was great. Thank you to all the guys. that came. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. Thank you, guys. We're sitting there, and a guy walks by with his girlfriend. By the way, not a guy that was coming to the meetup just happened to be at the meetup location, walked by with his girlfriend and went, guys, loved your Supra piece. And his girlfriend goes, thank you, we might get a Supra. (laughs) And that was just this random thing. So we've had an incredible amount of time here in L.A. We've been here most of the week, and as you can tell by the difference in audio, we're sitting in a hotel room because we just finished a shoot for season five, actually finished day one of a two-day shoot for season five. So, yeah pretty cool. Uh, we're here for that. We're also here for some other meetings and things, and we had that meetup, which was great. So we're having a whirlwind trip to Los Angeles, but uh, the podcast continues, and so does the TV episodes and all of this. We're almost done. Five of six new episodes are, are pretty much in the can.: Pretty cool so, uh, pretty and cool. To and think I remember about July yeah. is the new is season five. first four seasons are still on Amazon Prime. We'll remain on Amazon Prime. If you haven't seen them there, please watch them there because uh, everybody's finding them there, which is great, of course, except for Canada. I'm I'm sorry, Canada, I'm sorry. Hey,
1: we would love to show them some love, but it's on Amazon and not on us. But
0: it is on Vimeo. I don't know what's going on. If you can't get it from your local Amazon, you can get it on Vimeo. We Honestly, guys, we encourage and welcome your reviews of our work. That helps other people find them. It helps the algorithm. That also works with IMDB and iTunes and all of these places.
1: Thanks for being with us. It's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Well, we were wearing red and blue Nike shirts, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. because when we're just shooting, we don't need to be fully branded if the camera's not on us in the car. Mm-hmm. So we just mm-hmm. wear, so you see the flash of color as we're driving by or in the follow mm-hmm. footage or mm-hmm. something like that. So it's just a quick flash. You can see me or you, but you know, yeah, yeah. most people can tell because of the hair, but yeah, you know, mm. whatever. So it's just a flash of color. What, what, are you saying? And, uh, what are you saying, Paul? Hey, yeah. Anyway, uh-huh. hey, you know, it's it's all good. It's it's no reflection on my sparkling personality. Right? It isn't. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> well, yes. Thank you to all you guys that came out for the the brief meetup, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a lot of fun. So we're we're trying to do that whenever we're traveling. Uh, obviously, we're in LA fair amount, but we're trying to do that and uh, getting getting. Um, Formulated thoughts about an East Coast meetup. We're still working, working on, it, yeah. on that. The Utah meetup has been announced and it's that out is and happening, Yeah, That is on everydaydriver.com mm-hmm. under mm-hmm. the Adventures tab. So both adventures. The September, early October pilgrimage trip is still mm-hmm. there. Yep. We're getting close, guys, starting to get close to The final shutoff date, the final Mm -hmm. cutoff for getting your deposit in and therefore going on the trip. So keep that in mind. If you've been thinking about going, holding off, and you see a way to go, we'd love to have you. There's still space available as of this recording right now. However, that is quickly closing. Keep that in mind. And then the Utah meetup, everything is sorted. Mm-hmm. So you can sign up there, and it's an a la carte. So think of it as a menu type of, yeah, of sure. event where you can come for mountain biking, you can come for a, a hike, or just track day, or just totally. the drive on Sunday, whatever yeah. whatever yeah, works. Yeah. And uh, the way we've structured things makes it a little bit easier to accommodate more people this year, even though we had 65 people last year, <laughs> which is crazy. The, yeah, the, the, unbelievable. Cost,
0: the cost, well, the registration cost for Utah Meetup this year, honestly, is we try to keep it as low as possible because we honestly want as many people to come as you possibly can and yeah, want to from yeah. all over the nation, and you're building your own trip. We are charging it all, mainly to keep track, keep uh, things accountable, and also to cover the minimal cost that we have from actually pushing a large group through all these venues. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that's the reason for that. We'd love to have you. Again, you can get all of that through the website, uh, everydaydriver.com. On the Adventures tab, you can see all that info. If you have a question that's not covered somewhere, ask us. Everyday Driver, EverydayDriverTV at Gmail is the email address for everything. And thank you guys for bombarding us with emails. Of, uh, of Topic Tuesdays and car debates. Yes. And yes random questions, questions about these trips. It's great. We have two car debates this evening. They're kind of like car debate related discussions.
1: It's not really, uh, yeah, not really a full debate, but I like it. Which is fun.
0: They're both very fun. We've got Christopher writing to us from Louisiana, and uh, we also have uh, uh, Dayron writing to us from South Florida. So we're doing both of those. And the many, many, many questions from all over the map that you guys are sending to us, we're going to cover some of those as well. There's tire questions. There's Ferrari questions. It, it's there's Ferrari a lot questions. of stuff going on. Yeah, it's going to be great.
1: There's Ferrari questions, yes. And also, you know, a quick shout-out to Michael at the Motoring Club in Los Angeles, yeah. which is three weeks old as of this recording. Yeah it 's a social club. you can do car storage there, but mm-hmm. mainly it 's a social club and right now it 's sixty five bucks per month and it's it 's like a hangout with your totally your car pals and so we actually stopped by there, met michael hung out, got the the quick tour and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just you know a quick shout out he 's actually building a podcast studio in the yeah. in the space as yeah, one of the rooms, funny. along with a conference room and and uh, sort of a multi use space it 's like we work. For all of us auto enthusiasts. (laughs) It is. Okay. And and you want to just work on your laptop and hang out at the bar. It's really cool. So he's building the podcast studio. Michael, thank you for having us by. And uh, we hope to uh, podcast from there at some point. It would be cool. It would be uh, very cool. Yeah, so if you're in L.A., check that out. It would be nicer to be in in
0: somebody else's podcast studio than in a hotel room. Though this still works. Yes, it works
1: great. Yeah. All right, so Christopher is writing from Shreveport, Louisiana. I'm sure I pronounced Louisiana wrong. I'm sure it's Louisiana. It's Louisiana. Yeah, but uh, it's I'm okay. sure. Sorry, hey, I, I did not grow up in the South, but that's all right. He is. Uh, he's writing to us with this discussion. Okay, mm-hmm. he's been listening a while, and the title of his email is that he had a luxury sedan happen. <laughs> Oops. A luxury Woke sedan up, happened to him. A luxury sedan. How Seriously, just, where that's are we? that's kind of what he did. So mm-hmm. here's the backstory. He is a high school social studies teacher, and his wife is a homemaker. They drove the wheels off their 2006 Saturn Ion until it wasn't practical anymore. How long did that take? Did, wasn't that like 2007?
0: Well like your Saturn... Sorry. Drove the <laughs> Sorry.
1: No, it actually, it actually served you... It, it
0: served you well, but yeah. it was gone. Yeah. And, uh, and so uh, the kids are out of the house now, so they, uh, they decided to, to drop down to one car, do mm-hmm. the SUV mm-hmm. thing for a while, um, <clears throat> had a 2011 Nissan Juke, which uh, his wife picked, and he said, please don't judge me, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but that's been good for a while. She's listening. Yeah. She, of, course point, she she's listening of course she is. At this point, she's listening, because
1: Christopher has said, uh, hey, the guys are you're discussing this, so of course, yes. come in and listen.
0: Completely, yep. So they had this, this Nissan Juke, but um, they've, been, they've been traveling with friends, going around various places. Their friends always drive because they have the nicer, newer car. They're starting to feel like, all right, we should have a car that we can contribute to these trips with our friends. Uh, their friends have a, have a Honda Pilot doing the big SUV thing because their friends also still have kids at home. Mm-hmm, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the discussion was the Juke. By the way, I wonder what the highest mile Juke is because theirs had 175,000 miles. I'm sure there's a
1: lot that are up there. I and guess. it's a Nissan. So yeah. we know yeah, things yeah. will run generally, mostly. And, and I will It'll be fine. And I'm not surprised it's got 175K. I, I, will, I will give a,
0: a, a, a decent support to the Juke in one regard. It's a goofy looking car. It is a goofy looking car, but at the same time, it's a love it or hate it goofy. It is, you can, it is. You can go. I don't understand that at all. Or wow, that's really cute. And I don't think there's anybody in the middle
1: that's like the joke's okay. Not have ever a, have I looked at that and thought, you know what, cool car, well done, Nissan. No, no. But, but it
0: was. A, but it. But it is one of those cars that you either love the styling or you hate the styling, and I don't think anybody's kind of like eh jukes okay so the juke has worked but but the thing is i will say i drove the juke in uh automatic and in manual when it first came out Mm -hmm. and i remember Mm -hmm. being pleasantly surprised by the dynamics
1: pleasantly pleased
0: so they they had the juke but the discussion was okay let's go get a bigger better suv box they have the kicks now it's the nissan kicks well at least I'm sorry, I'm not going to make... Own oh, your moment,
1: Nissan. T- no. Okay, all no, right, no stop. more ads. All
0: right. <laughs> so just send the marketing folks home and say you're done. <laughs> like we got to build a new Z car. Everybody exactly. go home until that's finished. Exactly. Yeah.
1: No, no more fun names, Nissan, until you build a proper new Z car for all the rest of us. So they started driving the kind of standard five-seat uh, boxes.
0: <laughs> and they drove, and, and that's the, I the mean, dull boxes. Yeah, he that's, says. this is this is Christopher's description. Yeah. I mean they drove the GMC Terrain, and he thought it was the poorest thing ever. They bore, they drove four or five other things. The front runner was the Nissan Murano. So back at Nissan, driving mm-hmm. the Murano, mm-hmm.
1: they liked it, but not enough. By the way, Christopher, Terrains can actually do burnouts if you hold it at about four thousand <laughs> at the stoplight and traction control is completely off. It will bust loose, and mm-hmm. you can get some spice out of it, but I hear you. They're, they're well, but, pretty boring and uncomfortable. But you were doing that because it was the rental car, and you didn't have to worry about what happened well. to the poor liquefied <laughs> transmission later. You
0: were like, whatever, I don't Here's care. the...
1: The dust that used to be your transmission. But here, now, here the, but now the
0: new terrain has window switches for transmission buttons, so oh, it's only yeah. getting better. Oh my gosh. In case you haven't heard, yeah, oh yes. there's that. So the Nissan Murano was the front runner, but interestingly enough, and I applaud you—you you said your salesman, and and this is this is actually impressive. You said your salesman kind of pulled you aside and said, "What do you really want?" Well,
1: <laughs> he's a salesperson, yes.
0: But I'm still impressed He's trained that he, to do this. But I'm still impressed that he recognized the fact that the SUV was not landing
1: enough with Christopher. There's always a, a question behind the question. For those of you who are in sales, you know this technique, and it's yeah. always the question behind the question. When somebody your your client, your potential customer, asks you something, the training you've been through is to get behind that and really figure out what their need is and what You know, you're answering their question with another one, trying to get around that. And it sounds like that's what this salesperson did. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, a client, a potential customer, can say anything. You know, well, I don't like that because of this. And sure, you know, you're saying, well, what about your employees over here? What's going on with that? And tell me more Mm, about that. mm. And so, I I do like. I agree with you, Christopher. He was trying to get to your needs and Mm -hmm. really wanting to solve that with his inventory, with the stuff that he had. For sure. For sure. All right. So he says. Just for fun, why don't you come sit in this 2018 Buick LaCrosse? Mm-hmm. Buicks don't get discussed on this podcast very frequently. They don't, unless it's a Regal GS for yeah. nineteen thousand dollars or less, <laughs> because turbo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. And so Christopher is, you know, saying he wanted power, style, comfort, tech, and four adults to ride comfortably mm-hmm, in it. Mm-hmm. And so he said, "Hey, come sit. Just for fun, just come sit here." And he bought it. <laughs> he said, "I'm 45. I bought an old man's car, and I absolutely adore it. It's just nice. Yep, yep. Not a driver's car. And he's saying he could throw the Juke around corners in Northwest Louisiana. He said it was actually a fun little car for that. I'm mm-hmm. sure you got little squealy. Sure, I'm, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, but not the LaCrosse. And he says, you know what? I sit back. He actually listens to the podcast in That's this. Funny. I'm, I'm I love sure. It. I'm I love hoping it. you're listening to the podcast in it now, Christopher." He cruises, and he says, I feel smug every time I see a guy looking hopeless in a Kia Sorento. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like this. All right. You know, br- brief side note. The, you, you talk about it being an old man's car. Now, in this country, yes, it is. It is. But what's funny about Buicks in China, mm. they've been very successful mm. in China, and one of the things that's funny about Buicks in China is that the younger generation with money in China likes Buicks, because they view all the traditional luxury marks as old people cars, I'm including mm-hmm. BMW, mm-hmm. Mercedes, etc. They look at all of those as old people cars. So the reason Buicks one of the, one of the reasons Buick sell so well in China is because they are perceived as the young hip luxury car. I find the juxtaposition with our market well, hysterically yes. funny. There,
1: it's also my understanding that the black Audis are also considered government cars. Oh, interesting. Those are okay. looked at as oh, okay, you're with the government, and mm-hmm. you know you Stay drive away a black from you. Audi. So. <laughs> I, uh, okay yeah I get that but yeah I mean actually Camry's became the I mean for a while they they appeal to many people and mm-hmm. many people own them but you know it, it kind of took the place of the Buick LeSabre to be honest people mm-hmm. started buying Camry's instead because they were a, a really reliable you know they just fit a need and so that's the question here that Christopher brings up why are we the collective we the royal yeah, we yeah, why yeah. are we all buying SUVs is ride height really that dang important? Mm-hmm. And he says, "Fun fact here: the Mur- Murano, one of the only boxes he kind of liked, was seven grand more expensive than this LaCrosse." Mm. So what are we doing? Why couldn't we buy more Chevy SSs and less Honda CRVs? What do we think about this? So actually, as we've alluded to earlier, this you know Christopher has a car. He has the car that he already likes. He's bought it. Yeah. It was less money than this tiny SUV. But mm-hmm. what what is the deal with SUVs? <laughs> what is what is the shift? And settle in, y- folks. It's a four day podcast. Know. We're gonna be yeah, here a while. We came to
0: LA just to hole up in a hotel just, room and talk just about this. Rant. Anyway, yeah.
1: No. We've alluded to things before and we've talked about ride height. We've talked mm-hmm. about your wife wanting that and, yeah, for sure and she really does. liking it. She was a Jeep girl early mm-hmm. on, and you know, that's translated now to mm-hmm. cayenne's. And I I I come to practicality, of course, but the the usefulness. The you know, you open the door and you don't clamber down into a sports car or a sedan. You just kind of fall into your car. You, you stop. Sort of,
0: you stop walking.
1: You, you, you stop you walking and you you find yourself down. seated. This is what happens in a lot of SUVs, for sure. And it, there's so much space for stuff. As we've talked about, space is luxury. Whether it's a, yeah. a larger house or land around you or A bigger apartment or whatever that is, space is a luxury. It's the same thing with cars. And so we perceive, ah, I've got more space for my stuff. And it's also, in a way, aspirational. Because Mm -hmm. with any activity, skiing, mountain biking, whatever you and I do with our sports cars or smaller cars, it just seems like having the SUV opens up a world of vacation and travel and surfing and we can go anywhere and do anything. Whether you do or not is irrelevant. The marketing the, the photos feel, have worked on all of us. Yes, yes. I'm telling you, there's got to be people sitting around a campfire with beanies playing a, t- a guitar and you know a beach scene and you lots of smiling and sure. some coke bubbles in the scene and I, yeah, I'm making the commercial. So it's, it's along the lines of, yeah, it fits. Okay, I've got kids and there's genuine need and people do fill it with... With stuff, but I've Mm -hmm. seen moms in Tahoes and Suburbans with one daughter, one kid in a car seat. Yeah, yeah. And they open the back giant hatch and going, okay, that's that's huge. And Mm -hmm. I guess you like it, but you struggled to get into that parking space, and you've got gobs of space around you. What you know? What? Why? Why'd you go there? Yeah, but expecting. But you've hit on you've hit
0: on something interesting because you're you're talking about. We, we perceive certain things, and I think that is key
1: here. Well, that's, I mean, keep going the, with the marketing angle and the, what they push, because yeah. this is what we, we see the images mm-hmm. in ads, yeah. and then we aspire to that, mm-hmm. and then you wrap a product around the thing that you've just. I mean, this is marketing 101. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you, you in tie a product to an, amor- to uh-huh, an emotion, you tie uh-huh. it to a
0: life experience, a lifestyle. I'd like to be that person, and therefore I need product X. That's, yes, that's every yes. product marketed ever. Uh, so there's that. But, but the interesting thing I think that's happened, I do think it's twofold here, here Christopher. I, I think that the ride height thing is very real. It's very real. And, yeah. and as yeah. much as I personally don't ascribe to it, and as a result of a person that doesn't feel the need for it, I mean, I drive a Lotus, come on. <laughs> I, as a result, I, I don't get it. I can't connect with it. Yeah. I also cannot deny that it is a near ubiquitous need. It is a near ubiquitous thing where, where people, and I'm not just saying women. It's common in women, but women, men, uh, this, is the, this is the reason guys when they're 18 or early 20s make the big bro semi-lifted truck. It's the same idea. Mm-hmm. Well, I can see the wreck four miles away. Nobody can see around <laughs> you, thank you, including me as I drive underneath your suspension. Yeah. But, but yeah. there is that. But there is this thing where if I am higher, I am safer. A lot of us have bought into that. A lot of us of all types of bought into that. So there's that. If you're sitting in a long line of traffic, mm-hmm. stopped mm-hmm. traffic, you prefer to be able to see what's going on than to just see the taillights of the person in front of you. So as everybody's taillights, yeah. I mean, and I yeah. think about this as a person that drives small sports cars, as the taillights of everybody around you have gotten higher and higher and higher and higher, and now yeah. you're in a little canyon. Of your car. You're down yeah. in the valley floor, if you will. What do you want to do? You want to get a bigger car so you can see around it. So if all you're doing is commuting, I can see how this starts to, it's all, it, it is truly subconscious. You just want to be able to see better. Mm-hmm. And so we end up with mm-hmm. bigger and bigger. So there is that. The right height thing exists. We've also had a lot of people ride us, and you mentioned it before, who, for health reasons, my knees, my hips, my whatever, I don't want to climb down into a car or back out of a car. So they work there as well. That's mm-hmm. not a large percentage, but it does mm-hmm. exist. Mm-hmm. But I also think this is interesting. I think the reason people don't buy cars more, I really think this exists, is because we see an SUV shape mm-hmm. and we think that has more space. Okay, okay. I have a thought on that. But climb yes. into a Golf. <laughs> climb into okay. the front seat yeah. of a Golf. Now climb into the back seat of a Golf. Now find a bag of any size and throw it in the back of a Golf and just take mental snapshots of those experiences. Mm -hmm. There are many SUVs on the planet that have less space than the front seats, back seats, and rear of a Golf. They'll have space across the board, and they're called SUVs, CUVs, but we as a consumer see that shape and assume space. Somehow, Mm -hmm. as we've shrunk Mm -hmm. the Tahoe and Yukon space, that proportion, we've shrunk it down, and we still think, oh, that's got a ton of space. No, it doesn't. But I need space, and I need a high ride height. I need an SUV. Christopher, I bet you, sitting in your LaCrosse, you have far more space than pretty much any of the SUVs you shopped, as far as you sitting in the front seat. I bet you have more space, and I bet your visibility is almost as good.
1: This is interesting. You remember the Hummer H2s? When those came out and they were wildly wildly popular. Yes. Everybody had to have one and they were a status symbol. I think symbol. I know
0: where you're going. Keep going. I remember these cars very specifically. Yeah. Yes.
1: How often do you see an H2 Hummer? Mm-hmm. When you do, you go, "Holy cow." Oh yeah. 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 Those yeah. used to be Where did they all go? Question mm-hmm. 1. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because every it seems like everybody had one. Yes. They were enormous on the outside You're right. and had less space than a Chevy Tahoe on the inside. Yes. I I'll go less. I'll go further. Rear seat space than a
0: Chevy Tahoe. I'll go further. They had less they had less space in the cabin than many sedans and little boxes being sold at the time. There was some of the worst use of space I've ever seen in a car in a Hummer H two.
1: Mm-hmm. I also have friends who worked on the H2 program. They worked Mm, on mm. either the design of the wheels or it was interior. It gave them a, hey, you know, themes of mud and desert and military and let's just go nuts with the chunk. And they they turned chunkiness into a vehicle. And they worked on this. And, you know, when you're tasked, it's your job and Mm -hmm. you're a designer and this is what you need to do. But that was the thing. And... That translated, we saw in that era how those shapes and styles translated to other SUVs. Yeah. And then now, they're they're pretty car-like. They've kind of come back yeah. from the yeah, precipice yeah. of, oh my gosh, that thing is enormous. Mm-hmm. We still have Suburbans and Expeditions, and my Expedition is admittedly enormous. And when I climb up in it, it's like getting into a bus. <laughs> you know, everybody's not expecting the, the retractable running boards that hit yes. them in the shins. So you open the door and it whacks you right in those shins. It's really great. It's but, almost uh, the
0: kneeling expedition. It's almost that tall. It's so just this is a kneeling bus thing. They go, let me
1: help you get in. I mean, I yeah. do think, like, wow, this is pretty easy to get into. I just kind of climbed up and sat down, and it's big commanding view, and mm-hmm. I'm driving a boat. Yeah, and it's, for sure. it's useful for many reasons, but, of course, you've heard me say it's sentimental. It was my dad's, and so yeah, I'll probably yeah. keep it a long time. And and uh, It's, it's not a car moments. you would have ever shopped for. No, I yeah, would have yeah, never. Yeah. But, you know, should a trailer eventually happen? I mean, <laughs> You know who knows, but it's it's fell a fell into a race car. I don't yeah. know what happened. <laughs> yeah, jeez, <laughs> love that. But, <laughs> but I, I I it's the the presentation by people starting to like SUVs, and I think that's when the H two era is when things got really popular because size equated to luxury and money,
0: mm, mm. and
1: I I've arrived and I bought an H two Hummer and. All this stuff. and <laughs> Can't fit anything in it with me, but it looks really huge. Well, yeah. then people noticed, and then we started to need requirements of, well, you know, we do need to park this thing somewhere. Yeah, We need a space to park this in. Yeah, And then people wanted more functionality and more actual sure, interior sure, space. Yeah, yeah. And so that that continues. And then, you know, fuel mileage, reduce the weight, all those kinds of things. So we've, yeah, we've yeah. pulled back from that precipice of... Enormity, yeah, and there's still a place for them. there still very much is, and there's families that need them, and, and absolutely, sure, we have a we. Have but a... the the balance of choice, you know, mm-hmm. the balance of, you know, do I do I want that? Why do I want that? You know, mm-hmm. if you do, fine. I mean, that's the great thing about being able to. But yeah, well, I think I love that part. I know, also the freedom th- to be able to. But yeah, um,
0: I also think SUVs to some degree are being shopped like people shop pickups.
1: Hmm.
0: I'm gonna buy this in case I ever go camping. <laughs> I'm gonna buy this pickup because I I haul mulch once a year. You know we're 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 buying a car for in the back to the marketing thing. We're buying a vehicle for the
1: lifestyle we think we're going to le- to lead, not the mm-hmm. lifestyle we mm-hmm. actually lead. This is why it's always so surprising when you see a surfboard sticking out of a Mini Cooper, or mm-hmm. a kid's seat in a Lotus, yeah. or uh, name a, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, two, two non-sequitur items that the, shouldn't go together, the tiny sports car with the big sport. We were just sent that S2000, thanks Pete, we were
0: just sent that S2000 race car pulling jet skis. Yes,
1: yes, yes. You know,
0: it's that kind of thing where exactly. you have a car, in all of these cases you're bringing up, what, what's the deal? That person, be it me and the Lotus or whatever, that person bought a car for a specific purpose and desire.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of
0: driving enjoyment. But now that's their vehicle when it needs to do
1: the random other things. And they make it work. Exactly. And it works. Because you have to. You have to. You and know, everybody my car. gapes and takes a yeah. photo and goes, yeah, yeah. holy cow, I would have never thought you could do blank with yeah. that sport. That woman that drove... Welcome.
0: That woman, Diane, in Park City that drove the 997 we had for 50 yes, years at 9/11. Yes, That it was her <laughs> only car, and she had two kids, yeah. and so she told us about how she took them to the school run every morning with her daughter sitting in the passenger seat and her son sitting in the back seat, and then she likes to garden, so she'd roll over to Home Depot and buy bags of mulch and put them in the frunk and go home. Why? Because that's the car she owned. Done. I love it. But but let's unpack that the opposite way. I'm a mom with two kids. Well, they're going to play a lot of sports. I don't know what sports, but they're going to play a lot of sports. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I need to get something with a big hatch to carry all of the sporting equipment, and I want us to be very safe so it should be big and have a lot of airbags. And you know what? I like to garden and I need to carry mulch eventually. I need a big SUV.
1: That's the normal progression. It is. It is. So this is what's... I think all of these kind of things are what's happened. I uh, <laughs> I think of... I keep my cars clean and free of debris and other stuff riding around in the cars on a permanent basis. Yes, like You don't have Basketballs, gym clothes, yeah. random yeah, weights... <laughs> you, you, dishes of any kind. You, you open a friend's trunk and you go, Wow, why do you have all this stuff back here? I yeah. don't know. I just threw it back there. That's what the SUV encourages. That's, it's, fair. That's I, fair. I just yeah, throw yeah. it back there because I can just open the door and throw it in and mm-hmm. it doesn't ever, I don't ever see it until I go digging for it. There's no consequence to keeping Absolutely. stuff in the back. Absolutely. I can okay. just drive fair. and I fair, pick fair. up three people and they don't even notice all the stuff in the back. Yeah, yeah, fair. We're fine. And, It's, um, yeah, so you you can obviously tell Todd and I are more discerning in terms of, you know, wanting the car and the fun out of that. And then it's such a balance because, you know, you can buy the SUV for the sport that you do. Fine, Mm -hmm. perfectly Mm -hmm. valid. But if you don't want to, you're not required to. And I think we've bought into, well, I have a big lifestyle or I'm, you know, you know. Repping clothes for tracksuits, and I need a bunch of take samples around, or what? You know what I mean? I, <laughs> okay. Endless examples. I, I have tracksuits. Need an SUV. I, That's I funny. Need I like this. I need to have a big car. Yeah. And uh, what? I don't think it always applies. True. And Christopher, I want to
0: applaud you. Look, would we have you know run you toward the Buick LaCrosse? Probably not. But it is a big, luxurious car you got for a great deal, and you love it. Honestly, man, full stop. We, ha- we can end there and applaud, because you found a vehicle you like after driving many that you just went, this isn't for me.
1: I'm thrilled that you like it that much. Yes. I'm
0: also, look, I like the fact that you bought a
1: car. Yes, and to your point, for those of you whose mouths are hanging open that we're talking Buick and that Christopher likes it, that is the point. Mm-hmm. He got something that he likes, and Absolutely, that's yeah. the most important we lean towards enthusiast cars all the time, you know us. But when you land on something that does fit the need and you like it and you're happy with it, we're done.
0: <laughs> when somebody says, until <laughs> you <laughs> start shopping again. Somebody says Buick LaCrosse, you can say it's big in China. You know, it'll be awesome. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> that's that's going to work like crazy. Yeah.
1: Christopher, when you're done with that and you want to uh, look around, the Kia Stinger is quite awesome yeah, and that's used. A good point. They're coming down in price. They're large cars. Who else? Does a large car at a reasonable price with a lot of power, great handling for what it is. I, it's the stinger for me.
0: Well, you know what? If you
1: Charger still doesn't even enter that equation.
0: Well, but here's the thing everybody that is thinking of buying an SUV should be cross shopping things like the Stinger.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Because I think in most cases Absolutely. it does everything you need it to do. But, you know, that's. I'm, I'm shouting into the wind to say that, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> yeah.
1: Massive thanks for your debate slash update. And if you have something like this, you can see we're, we're taking these kinds of submissions too in addition to Topic Tuesdays, in addition to your debates. We love the, the, uh, the standalone debates, and many of you mm-hmm. are. And we're continuing to do live debates. We're still working on that. It's just, you know, travels as we uh, are shooting and, and getting the TV seasons done. So thanks, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. We will come back in just a little bit. We're often asked how we find the cars that we recommend to all of you listening. Whether it's local or nationwide, our searches start with AutoTempest. Instead of searching each car shopping site separately, you can enter all your parameters for the car you're looking for into AutoTempest one time, and then you can search for them all at once. See results from Cars.com, CarsDirect, eBay, and more. Or you
0: can jump to AutoTrader or CarGurus without entering anything new. Same parameters, new site. You can even search all of Craigslist. Think about how hard it is to search Craigslist nationwide, one at a time. Autotempest.com has got you covered there all at once.
1: Autotempest can help you find your next new or used car, whether there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the country. Plus, the people at Autotempest listen to this podcast, and they're always refining the site for more features. They've got research tools, buyer and seller guides, and they're listening to what their users need.
0: So if you're doing your own drive homework, you're chasing your dream car, or just looking to feed the disease as we are all the time, autotempest.com is your place to start.
1: Dameron's writing to us with the caveat in the subject of the email. <laughs> Guys, I need an automatic. I know, I know, I can hear you. That, that is the whole subject line. That's He's really just funny. Saying, I do like that. Uh, do it's like not it. that you're embarrassed to write, but... You know, we're talking about enthusiast cars a lot, and we're wanting you to get something you love, and so we hear you. We've got mm-hmm. to unpack this email here. Completely, yeah. He and his wife own two vehicles, a 2017 Hyundai Santa Fe with the third row for the family. Okay, yeah. This is also his daily, okay? Keep mm-hmm. that in mind. Yep. He also owns a 2011 Mustang GT manual transmission. As much as he likes the Mustang, his wife can't drive a stick, mm-hmm. so he's thinking it's time for it to go. Yep. I'm coming back to this because I'm trying to figure out. He dailies the SUV and the Mustang sits. What does she drive? Well, here's the answer. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's the
1: twist. She drops off their daughters at school, which is about a two-mile round-trip drive, and she works across the street from their house so the Mustang sits. She doesn't need to drive. He and drives it about once or twice a week. And he's got the commute. Yes. So he doesn't want to
0: commute it because he's got to stop and go commute. He doesn't want to commute yes. in the Mustang, uh-huh. so he ends up taking the SUV. So honestly, this is just—it's just, just lose lose. It's just this just didn't work That's out all. well. I hate to say it, Dayron, but it just—it's just, just lose lose. It just
1: stacks. Complete. Here's the thing: Can you work from home so that it, you can well, drive that the would Mustang? Be and, it was separate. Exactly. Sorry, exactly. Go on. Well, he can't. His commute is a 25 mile each way commute. He does encounter some heavy traffic when he comes home, and he's in South Florida. He says four-door rear-wheel drive is preferable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Although coupes are okay, he's an auto technician, and he said maintenance, small repairs, just fine. He's willing and yep. probably, yep. Good. you know, more than most, able more than most folks yeah. to yeah, be able yeah. to take care of things. Here's the kicker. Budget's under thirteen grand. I heard that. Yeah. Because, you know, I was just talking about Kia Stingers and how great they are and how everybody should consider one at least. huh but, now but they're 13 not 13,000. $13, not with 13,000? They are not. Yeah. So he wants something that he can find engaging and for his wife practical. The next school year, he's doing the drop off at school for their daughters. And mm-hmm. so this is a short trip. She's working from home. And what can he get? I- I'm wondering can he get something that he can commute and it is fun? And she can have access to the Santa Fe. I think that's where it. we're
0: headed. I think that's exactly that's where we're headed. That's kind of the idea. I'm because the Santa Fe clearly is sticking around, and it's a mm-hmm. perfect... Yes. Why not have that run the, run the school run and be there when his wife needs something, and then he has something else that is the four-door sedan that he can do the commute with, and at least is somewhat fun. Mm-hmm. But four-door, rear-wheel drive, $13,000,
1: the pool gets really small. It does. I mean, I think everybody's thinking Charger, but I don't want you to get a Dodge Charger. Okay. You've got the space in Florida for it, I'm sure. But I kind of broke your your rules, De'Ron. Of course you did. I um I've got three for you to consider. Okay. Well, actually four. No, I did I did uh, write something down here. Oh, look at you. First off, mm-hmm. the Hyundai Veloster Turbo. In automatic, they are. Really quirky, fun, (laughs) how about instead of a four-door, how about a three-door? Instead
0: of a four-door rear-wheel drive, how about a three-door front-wheel drive?
1: It's got a turbo, (laughs) it's snorty, Uh it's crisp, it's fun, it's different. I found a 2016, which means you can get a very new car, Veloster three-door coupe, Mm -hmm. $13,600 with 37,000 miles.
0: I mean, compelling. They're out there. Compelling. I I don't know that it really They're solves snorty and, asked, and different. But it, but it, but it. You're snorty and different. I would get. Well, that's the T-shirt for the Veloster. Snorty and Veloster
1: different. Turbo, snorty and different. Well, here's why. Actually, well, the top line mode. though is
0: three doors. Three doors. Snorty <laughs> and different. Hyundai
1: Veloster. That's the. There you go. Marketing. We're Darren, back. Darren, when you're when you're commuting, are you gunning it? Are you doing high speed straight line stuff? You, you would love to have your Mustang there. I I know, but. When you're commuting and you're slicing in and out of traffic, wouldn't you rather have a turbo with instant boost and you sure. know, darting sure. around and, and it's still comfortable and it's something your wife can drive? And the point is it's small. It's lightweight. You can mm-hmm. take your daughters to school in the back. It's quirky enough where they might like riding in it. Possibly. I'm not just thinking for him. I'm thinking for the whole family. And I, I, I'm th- I, more I thinking see, for her yeah, to be like, I see where oh, you what's are. this new, weird, turbocharged, fun, quirky car? Honey, what have you done? <laughs> Snorty and quirky and weird? What? What is all this?
0: You said practical and came back with that. Did we Did we, Did we? talk about this? That's where that conversation goes, yeah.
1: At a $13,000 price point, this tells me there's going to be no European cars involved in the mix. None. Well, here's, here's the thing I made a note of. You could go find
0: yourself a $13,000. It's probably an E90 series BMW. Not an M3, just no, a BMW. Yeah,
1: okay, okay.
0: But my caveat behind that is, be careful. At thirteen dollars or less, ooh, yeah. You could buy it. It could be great. It also, and potentially, could be a money pit. <laughs> when he's turning wrenches and listening so, to us. And he's yeah, like, so that's the big... Guys. Yeah, that's the big thing. is you, could, you, you can absolutely find them. You can absolutely find them. And I know... There are ones out there that are in good shape and would just keep running. But typically, the high-mile, really cheap BMW is just going to need stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's it, that's on my list, but it's on my list with that
1: caveat. Okay, okay. I'm going to keep going here, Darren. How about a Mazda 6? It's four doors. Uh-huh. We've grown bigger now. Yeah. They are well-built. They're a lot of fun to drive. You can actually get them in a manual transmission, but we're not going manual. Yeah. So... Stick with automatic. It's something your wife can drive and a lot of space. You want to do road trips. You want to commute in it. You want to. It's a comfortable car. I have rented them when, you know, picking people up and they've gotten in and thought, well, now what's this? What is it's this? It's not yeah. a Toyota cool. Honda. What? Not a Nissan? What is this? And I say, guys, it's a Mazda 6. Look how great it looks and how, mm-hmm. you know, the interface and it drives. It's a lot of fun to drive. You get after it. It's. It's a surprising amount of fun.
0: You can't get okay? in a random rental car with either Paul or I because you will hear the, the, the <laughs> bio of the rental car. The, haven't you heard about these? And, and good or bad, we'll tell you all about it because we kind of can't help ourselves. So, yeah, there's that. <laughs>
1: but if, if none of these are fitting the bill, if, if you're throwing all these out, and truly it's got to be a four-door rear-wheel drive, mm-hmm. automatic, okay. 13000 or less. Where'd you go? Older Lexi. I see it. I see GS. It. Think GS400, GS430s. Okay. Now, those are available. Now, sure. those are in sure, that sure. price range. Even if you go to an LS430, thirty, I'm. Just, we know about the million-mile Lexus that's out there. Yes, this is true. Yeah. Matt's million-mile yeah, yeah, Lexus, yeah, yeah. even mm-hmm. though he threw money at that in the latter stages of its life. But, <laughs> hey... Two hundred fifty thousand—that's possible. Three hundred thousand. Your mother-in-law had one, didn't she? Take it for a long. long she had way? A,
0: she had an early LS like Matt's, and it was sold for well over two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand miles, well over.
1: Did yeah. she dump money into it, or did it just no? Out of it run? just ran. It just ran. That's of it my did. thinking. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. quite luxurious. Mm-hmm. They're they're gonna run. Rear wheel drive, large sedan. Okay. In that price point, and, and I'm thinking not European. Sure. Because, okay. again, yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. still going to be wrenching on an older Lexus. You're still going to be doing that. Probably going to need something, for Not sure. to mention, yeah, it. if you go, you know, large 5-series, seven 7-series, seven or Mercedes, I would love you to, you know, go find an E55 something or other. For, you know, the steel of the century, you got an E55 wagon from or something but yeah. I, I don't know but i'm not going to recommend that for you so i'm going lexus because that that feeling in your heart that safety net you know okay it's just going to run it's toyota we're, okay. we're going to be good it's a lexus classy luxurious the your daughters can run around the back seats in there because they're huge <laughs> and all right good. i see where you're going okay i have uh, i have three Okay. There's three I want to talk about.
0: All right. And uh, the the thing is, in all of these, um, there's $13,000 limit. And look, I, it's life. That's just life. $13,000 is what you have, Dayron. That's the thing that limits us the most and also means we're talking typically older cars, which means they probably, all of them, are going to need some level of maintenance. No well, doubt. Okay, No fine. Doubt. Yeah. That's, that's just, that's okay. Yeah. They might be high miles. It depends on the model. I have three I want to talk about. Because I was really struck by the fact that you're getting rid of the Mustang here. So I want you to maintain something that feels like it's got some dynamics. It's got some some performance sure, flair, if possible. Sure. But that, again, is difficult. So, okay. Cadillac ATS. For 13 they are down there. Isn't it crazy? They're are down there. Are you serious? There. They're I down there. I am looking at... Pages of them. You're kidding. Me. For less than 15 grand. I not a, I, V, right? I put, not no, V. No, God no. And well, do they have magnetic see, ride? But this is the downside. The problem is the ones that are available that cheap. Most of them, not all. Most of them are the four-cylinder turbo, which is not okay, really the engine okay, I want you to have yeah. in that. It's the two-liter it's, turbo. It's right? not a great engine. It's okay. It's yeah. not a great engine. I am seeing a few. With a 3.6 liter V6 in them. Now, of course, none of them are V's. That's not even. That's not. Even, that's but, outland, but we are yeah. talking about a luxury sedan. we t- and, and that's the other surprising thing. This is the newest car I'm going to recommend to you. I can't believe that these, you know, 2014, 2015s are down here at this low price. But they are. If you can that's shop for new. It, those, have fallen off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. Try to find oh, the Earth. V6 out of it. I also don't know, you're going to have to go car by car, how well spec'd are they, because they're really, the way you want that is with the magnetic ride, right. but it is a great chassis, it's great handling, it's rear wheel drive, four door, luxury, checks every box there, but if you want to go more toward fun than that, and maybe, you're going to wind up older, but maybe it'll be more reliable and cheaper to maintain than the Cadillac, I don't know, I'm okay. off in the weeds here a little bit. Okay. But if you're shopping around, you're gonna. I'm, I'm shopping 29, 2009s or so, and where, where I'm going for the next wow. two. one, wow. the Infiniti G37 sedan.
1: Mm-hmm. You can find them mm-hmm. like
0: crazy at your budget. Good engine, engine related to the what's in the Z car because yeah. remember the Z yeah, car's been around true. forever. Good true. engine, decent. <laughs> the Z's dynamics. been around forever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good engine, decent dynamics, also related to the Z car. Rear wheel drive, yeah. luxury, Japanese reliability. Infinity G37 my friend in sedan is a great one. And then we're talking you like muscle cars, you want rear wheel drive. Yeah. You're already saying it to me, four-door rear wheel drive. Why am I not recommending the Chevy SS because they're way above your price point but the Pontiac G8 is not. No kidding. The Pontiac G8 which is the essentially the Chevy SS yeah. before the Chevy SS. <laughs> Honestly, Deron, you have your choice. You have your choice of V6 models at your budget. Like, which color would you like, sir, choice? Hmm. The hard hmm. thing is finding, if you even want it, the GT, which is the V8. That's going to be very hard at your price point. But there's still yeah. a few of
1: those, believe it or not. Those are 15 18 still?
0: Are they it not? It depends. The people that have got the really nice one low miles are asking 25 for them. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, a- agreed. Uh, but but uh, if you're shopping, you can get li- 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 your choice of V6s. And you might find somebody's higher mile V8 if you want it. I really think that mm. your answer is Pontiac G8. Hmm. Hopefully one of these has
1: helped. We, hopefully we got you thinking. Interesting. But that's where I went. Wow. Well done. Well done. No doubt. Well, we've got to jump to questions here. And thank you guys for writing so many Excellent curated questions. Mm -hmm. Todd Beachy on Facebook asks, with many of the newer vehicles going to a large touchscreen with different apps and built-in Wi-Fi, is there a point at which the computer electronics can or will no longer be upgraded? Mm. I don't think so. Will this determine if you should buy or sell a vehicle, as he keeps his cars for many years? You know, I, I see this, we all see this, going more and more towards over the air firmware updates mm-hmm. but the the electronics on many cars can still be updated by dealer uh, you know firmware upgrades that true. Kind of thing. they can true, still true yeah yeah reflash electronics and and do the upgrades yeah. and yeah, yeah. many times they do the jeep cherokee that i had was a great example because of the transmission problems the <laughs> yeah. um, you know the lock the the pin lock would mm-hmm. you know there were some accidents unfortunately so some, yeah, some people sure. lost their lives because of that and it was a a new style transmission. It was a new interaction. It was a new lever yep. Yep. that was like a toggle switch that sprung back to its its home position always. Mm-hmm. You would select the the gear you want, reverse, park, neutral, yep. whatever, and then it would spring back to and return to its home upright position. It didn't yeah. stay, yeah. and you so couldn't it, see it, it kind of was to, yeah. confusing. And so the solve for all these cars was take it to the dealer and update the firmware.
0: Yeah 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 and
1: now, whenever you open the door, any door, it automatically pin locks the transmission. you can't move the car, yeah, it just locks it, yeah, okay. That's a solve, and more and more cars are actually going this direction, but mm-hmm. you know it's not the level of you know oh one through oh five of the clunky Atari nav screens built into cars, and <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. With, think of cars from here on out, everything's hopefully everything's gonna have Apple CarPlay and Android, mm-hmm. so it'll have this universal thing going on, and there I think there will be a need to update it less and less, unless there is some sort of Grand Cherokee something went wrong. We here's the solve. Take it to the dealer and upgrade this. Yeah. But for the vehicles like Tesla's that will go autonomous and have those hardware things built into them that the company hasn't told you about yet. and The, the hidden items we're going to, to oh, yeah, make you pay actually, for or yeah, in- interact later. Yeah. They're, they're actually screwed to your car already. We just haven't activated them because you haven't, haven't paid. And so we'll, <laughs> we'll upgrade that. Yeah, In the case of those sorts of cars, yes, they will constantly need... Software upgrades. Constantly.
0: Yeah. But they can do the
1: over-the-air thing, which dodges
0: a bullet. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So for most normal cars, I don't think so. Mm. Like I said, there's there's standards creeping in now, mm-hmm. especially Apple CarPlay, which is nice. I
0: still think the smartest thing that all of these automakers can do is just keep creating the capability for your latest phone to become your car interface, because mm-hmm. we know it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing we're going to keep changing. And also... The other way it helps is because if you think about it, when you change your phone, you are either excited or willing to adapt to the changes in the interface. It's one of the only things in our life where that's we're like one of the selling points. Exactly. It got oh, it got new and different. Yeah. Okay, cool. If if your car company kept contacting you every six months or a year, <laughs> we need to update. To, you just get annoyed with them. But with your phone, you're just happy to have the new phone that has mm-hmm. the new stuff. And so if you could always plug that into your car, I think this is the fastest way for the car company, honestly, to take away this headache because they just can't possibly
1: keep up. Hmm. No, that's yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, what'd you find here?
0: Uh, let's see. Oh, he, here's, one, here's one on tires. The real Stan, uh, Stankey asked, okay, why don't summer tires last as long as all season tires? They only have one job to do. <laughs> the big key here is what is the tire wear rating? Normally, when you get into performance yes, tires, yes. they have a, a wear rating that is lower than an all-season tire. Essentially, let's be honest, they're softer rubber, which is why they have better grip, and so they wear out faster. I will give you a, the best easy description I can think of. How long does it take you to wear out your tennis shoes versus heavy-duty rubber-soled work boots? They both have rubber soles.
1: Sure, that's a great example. Okay, actually.
0: but you and, and you could run in your work boots. You could you could go running in your work boots. It's gonna hurt, but
1: it happens. When Vibram starts making tires, <laughs> we're gonna stick to everything. We're gonna stick to the ceiling. Exactly. You're gonna drive the, the roof we're of the yeah exactly drive the, roof up of the, the side of your building. But, so
0: this is the thing. You have a, a softer rubber. I mean, look I, I, as a climber, climbing shoes are incredibly sticky. They, they they are sticky like a a great sticky racing slick, mm-hmm. but you're only wearing them on the rock wall, and they are, you can almost watch them wear out. You take them off of your climbing, like, wow, I really dug into that. Yeah, the same way yeah. you can if you take performance tires on a track day. So it's that softer rubber, it's the, it's the wear rating, it wears out faster, think of it like the shoes.
1: And that wear rating specifically correlates to scenarios. Just like racing tires do at the high end, yeah, on Formula yeah, yeah. One, Pirelli rates their tires for a specific amount of laps. Mm-hmm. Now, at the mm-hmm. last race, Lewis Hamilton blew that out with the medium tires, Pirelli rates the medium tires to go 50 laps Mm -hmm. in a general setting. Yeah. At Monaco, he did 67 laps. Really? And he was whining on the radio to his crew, what on earth, my tires are giving way, you know, all that kind of stuff. Now, Monaco's a very different track than most high-speed modern tracks. Yes, it is. So that's why he was able to make them last, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But think of all the scenarios that Goodyear and Michelin and all these tire companies put their cars through from uh, water tests to, you know, cornering performance, that kind of stuff, and saying, all right, so this compound actually did better and that. Tire pattern mm, mm-hmm. did better doing this, and so we'll, sure, you know, we'll rate sure. that for that long time, you know, or not, or a, a softer compound, shallower tire tread depth, mm, mm. all those things come into play that t- correlates and and kind of culminates in that tire wear rating. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. All right, looking for something else. Uh, <laughs> Kevin G. Rocha wants a little validation on his little dilemma. The right way to drive an 09 Corolla manual transmission is by hooning it every chance you get, right? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. That's, the, that's, that's what they made fa- to do. almost
0: a rhetorical question. Yeah, you get The totally. right way is, is as much hooning as possible in a car, especially one that doesn't want to be hooned. Exactly. That's excellent. Uh, hey, Jay asked an interesting question on Facebook. He said, I just saw a Mercury Marauder. Oh, yes. What's up with the Mercury Marauder? He said, what <laughs> on earth is this thing? Uh, I'm not going to do a great job, but I'm going to try to fill you in on this. The Mercury Marauder was made in the early 2000s, mid-2000s. Uh, it was only made for a couple of years. They sold not very many. Like, I think they wanted to sell 20,000 a year, and I think they sold like 10,000 in two years. It only was around for two years. But if you, if you jump back another decade, the mid-90s, the, uh, Chevy made the Impala SS.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the
0: original ad, I'll never forget the original ad, it was uh, the SS parked just lit well enough in front of like a, a steel backdrop, which was very dark, and it said, Lord Vader, your car is waiting. Uh-huh. Okay, So there was that, and a lot of people loved those cars. And that was a blacked out uh, performance version of the Impala that was closer, to, or the, the Caprice, I should say, that was closer to the police spec. That's what the Mercury Marauder is. They took mm-hmm. the, um, the Crown Vic, which was the police car, up through the 2000s. In fact, I still feel like we still see them here in L.A. Yeah. yeah. In almost 2020, by the way. Uh, but anyway, so it was the police idea of the Crown Vic, sold as a Mercury instead of a Ford product, blacked out like had been done or at least kind of made monochromatic. You could get it in red and blue, but it was made monochromatic. They didn't have chrome on them. And it has essentially a lot of the police spec materials and a a better engine. So it's almost the cop car spec sold to the general public as this monochromatic uh, sleeper version of the old Crown Vic, essentially. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, well, there was actually the Kenny Brown performance version. And Kenny Brown, you probably already know, he's a Mustang tuner, and he got a hold of, I think it was the late 90s version, the Marauder. And through more power... Different suspension, better brakes on it. So it was the Kenny Brown Mercury Marauder edition. Sure, why not? Make a huge car go fast, throw yep. more power at it. Yep. You did. I mean, they're rare cars, but you'll see one and go, what is that? Why did why did they do that? <laughs> hey, I love that they did, as a matter of fact. It is doing, cool, yeah. You know, random, huge performance cars. It seems like we're going away from that. Should we find a Mercury Marauder for for Dayron earlier? We should have we tried Mercury to catch a Mercury Marauder. Dogs. Anyway, keep yeah, going. That'd be interesting. Keep going. They're probably 13 or less. They might be. Who knows? Yeah, I'll look them up while we're talking. Interesting. Okay, Steve Malone on Facebook. What type of automatic is in the G70? It Is is a Z-something. It is made by ZF. They are a German Tier 1 supplier to the worldwide automotive industry. And they have cracked it. They are now tuning automatic transmissions per car manufacturer to suit the type of car it's going in. And yep. they have... Yep nearly made an automatic transmission feel like a really well-done dual clutch. Mm-hmm. And they are putting their transmissions in, in a lot of cars. Getrag is another huge manufacturer. But ZF, yes. And is he nuts for wanting to trade his 2019 Julia with 1,800 miles <laughs> and electrical problems for a G70? You're not nuts. You're, you're not. We, we have a piece <laughs> coming in Season
0: 5 that is the brand-new 3 Series, the Julia, and the G70. And I have to say, it was much closer than any of us expected. That's for so sure. So I, sure. I can't wait for you guys to see this. It's coming up in a few weeks. It was a, It's a really interesting piece and i think you're in exactly the right headspace to be debating those cars cuz we did as well by the way while i'm here yes i just looked up mercury marauders and? our friend dayron could absolutely get one for his budget
1: no kidding there you they're go there. well that that solves so it. so that's out there as now well. however the issue is they're, they're an older car for sure but they, they don't yeah. have any built-in
0: nav screens so that oh, could be a good thing Oh, three or 04 but then you have the crazy person cuz most of these honestly are 15 grand or less and some of them are like 7 8 grand but then you have the crazy person selling the 04 mercury marauder Are oh, no. you ready With 4,000 miles. Oh, no. And they want
1: 70 grand. Goodbye. He's dreaming. Uh, They are dreaming. The answer to that is no. No. Yeah. Yeah. Question on Facebook also from Reno, uh, Reno L, uh, asking, What legislation do we think will happen first on American roads, in certain parts of cities, an electric vehicle-only zone or an autonomous vehicle-only zone? I think electric vehicles are just going to appear as they already are. They're just going to work their way in mm-hmm. and will continue to proliferate as businesses make them very uh, welcoming. Yeah. You'll see yeah, yeah. chargers out front. Totally. You're seeing yep. it more and yep. more. I think that's only going to increase and I I can't imagine that I can't imagine that it's going to become like a situation in Norway from a taxation standpoint, mm, mm. that it's only electric vehicles that sell to get around fuel regulations and you know taxes, essentially. I, I mean, not in the U.S. I don't see that happening. I, I see maybe still some kinds of incentives, but those are starting to wind down for a lot of manufacturers. I think they're just going to start being available, and people are going to choose that and work that entire infrastructure into their lives. They've got a 240-volt charger at home that's installed by an electrician, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. now have their roots, and they, you know, where they work is very friendly to that. Great. I see that happening. For specific legislation towards cars, I see it more towards autonomy, because you're mm-hmm. going to have okay. to. Electric cars work in the general broad sense of the car market. They mm-hmm. just work right now. It works well. But for... You know, integrating something new where we're, we're talking very different than electric. And by the way, autonomous doesn't mean electric. They are not synonymous. It's true. There That's are true. some semi-autonomous cars that have gasoline engines in them. Yeah. They're few and far between, and they're going away. But Mercedes made one. Infinity made one. Well, but they're, but they're going away. We
0: have that Mercedes A-Class right now, and it has. I mean, it's a just a turbo four. Yeah. And it has Mercedes' latest. Essentially, semi-autonomous tech in it yeah. as your cruise control.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. not
0: trying; it's not saying, "Hey, look at me! I'm an autonomous car." At all, it's just that's the way Mercedes cruise control works right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I think this may unfold differently. Here's my take on this, Reno. I think what's going to happen. I'm, I, this isn't the best way to describe it. It's how I'm going to try to land it, though. I think it's going to be what I'm going to call the loophole effect. Okay. I look at London, who has a congestion charge. If you want to come into London right now, and I'm going to get this a little wrong. If you want to come into London, downtown London right now, yeah. you have to pay to bring your gasoline car into London. So some people don't. And if it doesn't get certain levels of miles per gallon and have certain amount of, of mm-hmm. exhaust, mm-hmm. then you pay essentially a fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there will be cities in the U.S. that will start to put the same thing out there. So then what happens, this is why I call it the loophole effect, what happens is people start buying more efficient or fully electric cars so they don't have to pay the extra tax congestion charge to be where they need to be. In the same way, in Los Angeles, people are buying Priuses and Teslas because you can go in the HOV lane with, uh, with just yourself. Plenty of people we've known in L.A. bought the Prius or the Tesla or the electric, the partial zero emission vehicle so they could get the sticker so they could have a faster commute. It didn't have anything to do with, I'm trying to save anything but my own time. So I think cities will create a a congestion zone, be that for pollution or for just sheer number of cars. And that will change the buying public's choices because they're looking for the loophole. We're all looking for the loophole. And then from there, that will proliferate. Is it low-emissions vehicles? Is it electric vehicles? The autonomous thing that you bring up, I fully agree with autonomous is a totally different animal because that's going to require different city planning mm-hmm, and major mm-hmm. legislation. That is a much bigger deal, but I think where this is going to start to catch to take root of electric cars and those kind of things is going to be cities going, "Yeah, we got a lot of smog and a lot of congestion, here's a fine."
1: Interesting. I'm I'm wondering about the architecture and layout of European cities versus American cities. Mm-hmm. Now, there are many like I believe Houston, Dallas, there's Cincinnati, there's the, Atlanta is a great example. Mm-hmm. There's the inner ring and the outer ring of freeways. Yes, yes, yes. And there is the city center where many people work and need to get to from law firms yep. to yeah, yeah. you name it, financial service firms. And so those areas maybe, but there's still so many other places outlying business centers and yeah. business parks that... Many people don't go downtown. They just need to get around it and through it to go to a different area. So now we're talking about lots of little pockets. L.A. is very much not like that, and there's so many cities that are not. They don't have the specific – I mean, obviously San Francisco does, um, you know, the financial district downtown. Mm -hmm. Totally, yeah. Um, Seattle certainly does. I'm just kind of wondering about specific architecture and how that relates to – just this area has that congestion charge because what about the freeways? You you take longer and you avoid it and you go around, or all these business parks. I don't work there, but I'm on the same freeways as everybody else going question. downtown. No, this how do you
0: rule on that? It's a quagmire is what it, is. it but, is. But I keep coming back to the fact that here in LA a lot of people got bought different cars because they could do the HOV lane by themselves. <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting shift.
1: Yeah. G
0: Lewis thirty five asked us on Instagram, okay. Are we obligated to report on press cars when we get them? And if we don't, will we stop getting them? Mm. The short answer is, if we never covered them, they would stop coming. That is true. There is flexibility in who are you reaching, how many people are you reaching, and okay, you didn't cover that one great, but you covered the other four really well, so okay. This also plays into the other part of the equation, which is, if all we did, or if all anybody did, was say cars were terrible, Mm -hmm. eventually the manufacturers Mm would stop giving them cars, not because they aren't sharing, they're sharing, they're just sharing that the cars are awful. It's the same kind of give and take scenario where, you know, we've had manufacturers come at us frustrated because they didn't like a review, but then our response is always like, yeah, you're right, we didn't like that car, but here's three of your other products we did like. Mm-hmm. Sure. So it's sure. that ongoing relationship thing. Obviously, if you weren't uh, taking the product
1: out and giving it some publicity, of course, eventually you'd stop getting cars. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, <laughs> what's worse, keeping winter tires on for too long into spring or using all seasons when you live in a place with lots of snow? <laughs> Since we've talked about tires. I,
0: I actually think the all seasons with lots of snow is going to get you into more actual accident trouble.
1: I agree, and you, you've you probably heard from your tire professional, 45 degrees is the cutoff for winter tires. If you're above 45 degrees Fahrenheit, that's when it re- they really start to chew down. You're, you're just wasting them. your money you're burning at that them. point. Yep. So, you know, you've got to take that into consideration. But if you're on all seasons and it's still, you know, 20 degrees or less, then you're having problems. A bunch so. of snow. I mean, the answer is to have both sets ready to go and the ability to do it yourself, so at Ideally, the moment's yeah. notice, kaboom, it's springtime, <laughs> you yeah. can change it, but that's not everybody gets to do that. We, we definitely get that. Uh, Mark asked, Mark,
0: I don't have a great answer for you. Facebook question, how much does your electric bill go up if you have an electric car in charge at home? This is gonna vary wildly based on your electric bill and all of these kind of things. I'm not going to begin to guess. Keep in mind the best way to charge an electric car is you need to get the big heavy duty charger, and that is an install that has a comma in it. That is expensive. Mm-hmm. So you have mm-hmm. to think about that. Most of now now I'm getting into anecdotal discussion. Most of the people I've spoken to that have an electric car, their electric bill went up between, again, varies wildly by usage and electricity uh, provider to begin with, between 10 and $50 a month. Now, that's a big swath. Yeah. I'm sure there are those that are spending more than that. But keep in mind, at $50 a month, that's generally one person's tank of gas. Yeah. And we're so, not talking
1: a few hundred dollars, which I think is what people are wanting to hear, that it's not going to be a few hundred dollars. It's going to be yeah. a little bit of an increase. But you know what? Yeah. All said and done, against a, a fuel bill... Probably worth it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Question on Twitter from Jason Zhang. Thanks for writing. When is a good time to sell a car? His car is completely paid off and running fine and also fairly new, but the value keeps dropping. Yes, welcome. The old (laughs) joke. Did you buy the car? Then you didn't get a good deal. Yes, sadly true. What is the sweet spot? When is the sweet spot to sell a car and buy a new one? We talk about this all the time. This is discussed a lot because... The conundrum is, well, the cheapest car you'll ever own is the one you've paid for. Yeah, It's the best investment. You've got it paid (laughs) off. That's true. But you're right. The value is dropping, and we've all had to have the mindset and adopt this, well, I bought the car mindset. I'm not ever really going to get my money back out of it. True. I'm buying for the use of it, and what do I feel like? Paying a high, expensive lease to get some fresh, awesome new sheet metal that is you know, above my station and above my, you know, kind of actual ability? Or do I buy what I can and that's it, and I'm paying for the use of it over time and keep it nice? Or do I just drive it and enjoy it? It very much depends on if you're done with it or not. We're all constantly shopping, but if you're already thinking about getting rid of it, you're, you're teetering at the edge of the cliff, my friend. <laughs> you're, you're already yeah. looking around. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. What's next? I'm thinking. But if you're done with it, and you know, it's even if it's paid for, sure, it comes back to cars as a fashion object, cars mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. desirable object, and they're designed now, and it's ingrained, especially with the proliferation of tech. Well, my 2017 has old tech. I want the 2019. Yeah. Or the 2020. Yeah. That they, you want the newest, latest things. It's ingrained in us as human beings. You're right. Or are you just contented and happy? You know, we can make the argument that you can drive your car almost the rest of your life.
0: Almost. If you have no reason to move on, you don't feel like you need to move on, you want to keep putting money in your current car, you could drive that one you have right now indefinitely.
1: Something catastrophic goes wrong and you pay enough money to keep that one running. You could, but then that's not. It's not smart you you trade up because you want the newest latest well it looks better and I didn't like the taillights on the other one and the well, new one has you know name a thing
0: We we all have the disease here that's why we're listening let's be honest we want a new experience we're lusting after a different car It's just going to happen This so, is the disease we are we are all, all struck right, with So let's yeah.
1: answer and that is it, it's in the few years it's in I think 2 to 5 year range, depending on the car mm. and the usefulness. Okay. SUVs, maybe you keep those longer because you're getting more use out of them. Mm. But as soon as you're really starting to put miles on and the mileage is dropping the value like crazy, yeah. that's a consideration. But also, you know, from an experiential standpoint, if you're able, not everybody is able and we get that, true. but true, if true, you're true. able, yeah. two to five years and, and you're moving on to something else, it's weird when we hear of folks rocketing through cars, and they've had three or four of the same car in a short span of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wait, why did why did you get rid of it? Why didn't you hang it on hang on to yeah. it for yeah, a yeah. year? Or if the car's genuinely got so many problems, it's nickel and dime you to death. There's all those reasons, sure. It it, it very much depends, but I'm my mindset unless it's an ex like the expedition is to me. Mm. I don't have any plans to get rid of that. And you don't have...
0: But but you also never really had a plan to have it in the first place. And you <laughs> True. have it for a reason that is kind
1: of outside
0: of your car choices. And you go, yeah, all
1: right, I'll just keep it. It's that. just there.
0: I'll yeah. keep it. But yeah, others,
1: sure. you know, we talk about experiences. And we talk mm-hmm. about how fast the car industry is moving right now. Yeah, big time. But again, maybe you can't. And maybe it's just not feasible and you have to keep that thing running. That's okay, too. Yeah. my My...
0: Rough thought here is: once the car is costing you what a new car payment would be, it's time <laughs> to move on. Now, generally, I am I am indecisive enough about wanting to have new experiences that I've decided it long before that. Mm-hmm. But but prior to uh, trying to trade up cars faster as we do now that we since we're doing the show, that was my big financial reality of okay, it's costing. I could be having something that's not needing to
1: be in the shop right now for about the same money this cost me every year. It's time to move on. Yeah, no kidding, guys. Thanks so much for your questions. There's stuff we don't get to, obviously. So yeah, keep asking, time. keep it's writing great. to us. We're, we're still posting, and yeah, it's there's a, such a long term aspect to what we do because of all the new cars coming at us, the new tech. Mm-hmm. I just, I continually, I'm just continually excited by what's coming at us and yeah. driving experiences and car companies listening to media and. You know, many of us, a lot of media and yeah. and journalists and and finding the sweet spot and finding new cars and having that new feeling combined with a cool new look. Anyway, I, we, I could we, go on about you it You could go on,
0: but we love you guys walking with us. Thank you for listening and, and rating and reviewing and sharing this podcast and the TV show with your friends. We greatly appreciate it. And
1: we're just thrilled to have you with us. Appreciate it, guys. Looking forward to next time. Cheers.